Welcome to the VoxGig podcast. We talk to people in the developer community about developer relations, public speaking, and community events. For more details, visit voxgig.com podcast. All right, let's get started. This podcast is about all things DevRel, but sometimes it's important not to get stuck inside our own little bubble. To that end, today I'm speaking to Joan Mulvihill, a digitalization and sustainability lead at Siemens. Also, a landscape artist, and formerly head of the Irish Internet Association. We talk about the big company perspective and how big companies can engage with developers. And in particular, we talk about her work helping other large organizations innovate. Do they want faster horses? actual cars, or perhaps rocket ships. We also talk about her years running the Irish Internet Association and how, in a strange way, it was a great preparation, especially for non-technical businesses, for dealing with COVID. All right, let's get started. Joan, it is great to have you here today on the Gig podcast. How are things? Great, really good. Uh, lovely, sunny, but frosty morning here in Mullingar. Yeah, um, it has been a bit cold. Minus two this morning. Here well, I'm in the Midlands. It's a lot colder yeah, here. <laughs> you win. Uh, okay, so uh, you work for Siemens. Um, I work for big companies. They tend to have thousands and thousands of roles. Uh, and sometimes it's kind of hard to tell what people do. So tell us the title of your role. And then take us gently and slowly into what it is you do and, and explain all the acronyms. <laughs> Okay, well, I am the digitalization and sustainability lead at Siemens in Ireland for Ireland, and I also work a little bit in the UK. Um, that is my job title. Um, and I'm very grateful for a taxi journey I had at the start of the summer when a taxi driver asked me what I did, and I ended up describing it. And then he said, Hmm, so you're a digitalization coach. And I said, Actually, yes, you're better at this than I am. He was spot on. Um, yeah. And yeah. the reason I, I call it a digitalization coach is that if anyone's been through a coaching process, you know that the job of the coach is not to have all the answers. The job of the coach is to recognize that the individual has the answer within themselves and to coach that out of them. And and so that's really my job. Like we work, I work across so many different businesses and customer types in different forms of industry and manufacturing, whether they're making food, beverage. working with the customers. Oh, yes. No, no, I do. I do talk to customers. Yeah. So I work in an external facing role. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, so they're all so different. It would be wrong to assume that there is one digitalization strategy for all of them. There isn't. So uh, it really is my job to, and, and our role within Siemens, is to listen to those customers' needs and work with them on their digitalization strategy. And likewise, since I've taken on responsibilities also for sustainability over the last year, to do that also. But my job is not to have all of the answers. I am unusual in Siemens in that I am not an engineer by any shape or make or form. But I have so many amazing colleagues who are deep subject matter experts in loads of different areas. And my job really is to be the coach and facilitate the bridging of those relationships. 
So when you say digitalization, right, walk me through. So what? So I, I don't know. Let's say I, I, let's say I'm uh, a manufacturing enterprise or something like that. Um, what does what does that actually mean? What is the process? Do they know themselves that they need to do it, and they come to you, or does? So so that's a super loaded question. Um, <laughs> it's really interesting, and it means different things to different people. I mean, for me, I always get caught up on this idea that people talk about their digitalization strategy, like digitalization is somehow an end game. It's not. It's an enabler to achieve a value outcome. So what I would do as the coach with a business is explore what is the value outcome they are trying to achieve, and then what is the appropriate digitalization strategy for them to help them reach that value outcome, to challenge them on what they think their value outcome really is. So to my mind, there are three types. Very happily, to Alex Osterwelder's mind, he of the Lean Canvas fame, also yeah. said there are three types. And his three types and my three types um, coincide completely. I call them faster horses, cars, and the other thing. So, Okay, okay, I like this. So, <laughs> so if you ask the market what they wanted, they'd have said a faster horse. Everybody knows the story of Ford, and they said a faster horse. And a faster horse basically is a more efficient version of what you've currently gotten. So it is a perfectly legitimate digitalization strategy to focus on a value outcome that is efficiency. A horse that runs faster, eats less hay, sleeps less, rarely gets injured. Everybody wants that for their operation. Let's just be more efficient. That is a legitimate value outcome, a faster horse. But then there's the other value outcome, which is the car, which is understanding that actually all of my competitors are adopting technology and solving customers' needs with the latest and greatest of technology. So Alex Osterwelder calls faster horses efficiency, and he calls this one sustaining, a sustaining strategy, not to be confused with sustainability, but sustaining one's position in the market. To stay relevant and competitive, we must adopt new technologies, the car effectively, to satisfy our customers' needs. So that is a completely legitimate digitalization strategy. And then there's the third ones, the juicy ones. Alex Osterwelder calls it disruptive digitalization. I call it what the heck are you going there for? So if you think about it, a faster horse and a car are both predicated on a customer's needs to get from A to B as quickly as possible. Mm. Disruption is asking yourself, why are you going to be at all? Do we need to make this journey? Is there an entirely different way of satisfying this customer's needs? This is the juicy stuff. This is the stuff that causes real disruption. This is often the thing that's done by small startups who don't have huge legacy things where they're trying to eke out efficiency or where they've got massive R&D departments to be running efficiency programs alongside the car program. The disruption happens in the cracks and it's, it's a really interesting, exciting space. All three are legitimate digitalization strategies. All three deliver a value outcome for the end customer and the end consumer and my customer, the intermediary, the person who's satisfying their needs. So I like to work on all three. I, I personally, as with my artist mindset, love the disruption ones because they're really, really exciting. But the, the 
others, the others are brilliant in their own way. It's eking out those extra percentages in the efficiency one, and it's looking at cool new ways of doing things in the in the car version. So um, yeah, that's and that's my role is to help a customer understand what the value outcome is they're trying to achieve, and on that basis, then match them to a roadmap. But you need to go know where you're going before you put out a roadmap. Otherwise, it's love, just loads I, of struggles. I love your metaphor. That is that that really puts it um, very very clearly. Most of the people you're dealing with, the, the the clients or customers that are engaging with Siemens, they're larger enterprises, right? Historically, Siemens have a very long track record in working with very large manufacturing organizations. That is a lot to do with our heritage based in, in Germany and large uh, automation um, multinationals there, whether it's the automotive industry or, you know, even our even our. Uh, smart infrastructure background around trains and energy. So, yeah, we do have all of that, but we recognize too that a lot of, as I mentioned before, that disruption, those opportunities to, you know, address big problems like sustainability, a lot of those are going to come from startups, from mid-sized companies, scaling companies, and we want, and we do work with them already. Like I was listening to, uh, I was reading something actually recently from Larry Spink, and uh, he said that, a thousand of the next unicorns are going to come from climate tech. Now, Siemens have a really long heritage in, in energy. We're very committed to sustainability. If these things are going to come out of climate tech, we want them to be powered by Siemens. We want to be on that journey with them. And I think that's really important. And because we have 175 years of the that really, I call us the elders of industry. You know the way in the UN they have the elders? Like I feel like we're the elders in tech because we just have been through so much and we've been through, you know, all the industrial revolution, the first one, never mind the fourth one. So I just think we're in a really well positioned place to do that. And and that's why we're look, we're transformed. We have transformed as an organization ourselves from that, as I say, large multinational engineering industrial automation organization into this much more agile technology enterprise who is I have this real thing around perspective on problems. So we talk about, oh, you know, solving customers' problems and customers' pain points. And I'm going, gosh, who wants to start every conversation focused on pain? I would rather start conversations focused on opportunity. And so, you know, so I just think that there's so much positivity and opportunity that we can bring through digitalization. And that's how I want to look at problems. And I think that's how Siemens is doing that now and creating this opportunity to work with customers in this very fresh way. We'll come back to that in a minute. Um, but I want to I want, I want kind of um, ask you a difficult question because the, okay. uh, <laughs> this is a terminology one, right? The, the usual term is uh, digital transformation. But you're using the term digitalization. So can you relate those two for us? Are they, do you have preference? Do they mean the same thing? Are they different? Uh, I mean, I can I can take your hard question and say, oh, it's just semantics. Yeah. Um, I think for me, it's about understanding the digitalization that we transform through digitalization rather than transform to digitalization. Digitalization is not a destination. As I say, your value outcome is your destination, and we transform through digital rather than transform to digital. And that's why I like to talk about digitalization rather than digital transformation. It's kind of gets a bit. Are you able to give us any 
examples, even in a general sense of, of what that process was like for a company? So I think it's it's the better way of looking at it is is where industries have been transformed through digital rather than yeah. looking at a company who has done a transformation. So if, if you look at the obvious ones of the Ubers or the Airbnbs, these are disruptive technologies, disruptive business models um, that have transformed industries through the power of technology by recognizing that from a disruptive point of view, why are you going from A to B? Why do you need to own You don't need to own a hotel to provide an accommodation service to satisfy a customer's needs. Or is there another way of doing that? And that is looking at something from a completely fresh perspective. So they are industries that have been transformed through the power of technology. Um, but I think if we look at, at um, really cool emerging technologies, if I was to look at healthcare and the opportunities that are arising now that are being empowered, enabled through digital, the adoption of digital, I think uh, health is certainly one of them. When we look at how clinical trials will be done going forward, um, that remote patient monitoring, the idea that we're going to focus more on, and I don't want to talk about wellness, but I want to talk about health and how we can manage our health rather than manage our sickness. And how tech, how some of our customers who are in the pharmaceutical sector or life sciences are looking at new ways of position their their role in in society, their role in sickness and and health, if you know what I mean. Gosh, that sounds like a marriage in sickness and in health. So if I was looking at a drug company and saying, right, okay, should we be focused? Are we? Our entire industry has been based on you know making drugs for the sick people. We need now with all the power of all this data to help people stay well. And so that's technology transforming industries to get better customer patient outcome. And uh, and I think that's a that's a kind of neat example. Yeah. Okay, um, and then take, taking, <clears throat> I guess I've got to come at it from my perspective, right, which is the software developer tasked with the nuts and bolts of making all this stuff actually happen. Um, mm -hmm. And in my organization, we are engaging with Siemens to help build all the stuff that 175 years, marvelous. Um, but the, the the developer world has is has moved towards valuing openness and access to the technology and not having the technology, you know, behind uh, garden walls and that sort of stuff. So, where is Siemens in 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 that particular trend? Right, or is Siemens embracing the fact that um, ultimately, on the ground, there are these software developers who are going to have to do the digitalization? Is that something that Siemens, as, as an entity, is aware of or knows they need to engage with? Not only aware of and engaging with, wholeheartedly embracing. And it has been phenomenal. I've seen the change. I've, I've been in Siemens four years, which in Siemens terms makes me positively a baby, a rookie. Um, but the change I've seen even in the last two years is phenomenal. And it is all around that. So uh, to tell the story, I suppose, of who we are, like, our experience, as you mentioned earlier on, is in industry. A lot of it is in in large manufacturing industry, and uh, you know we work very much in that physical world. We we are very very familiar with the nuts bolts and every line of code that exists within the four walls and roof of a manufacturing site. 
and that is operational technology. But we recognize that to leverage the power of data, we're much more in that software space around information technology. And there's this huge convergence happening now between OT and IT. I think developers will certainly be seeing that on the ground if they're in the manufacturing uh, sector in space. And again, Siemens, as they have moved from this industrial engineering company to this technology company. And in recognizing that, I think people will see a real change in terms of Siemens and our, how brand how brand kit agnostic we are and can be and how we are now wholly committed to and embracing interoperability and open platforms. So actually, earlier this summer, and you did not know this, but actually earlier this summer, we launched Accelerator, which is exactly that. Siemens recognize, and again, I think it's very much this elders mindset that we have, is that we're not going to solve the big problems on our own. 175 years of experience and 350, 80,000 employees, you still can't do it all on your own because we now all through globalization and through the kind of big problems that the world has to solve, we need to collaborate to do that. We need partners to do that. No one can do all of it, nor should anyone do all of it. So we've created this open platform so that we can pull together the ecosystem of the partners that we work with so that people can use and leverage our technology in a way that works best for them. And we are wholly committed to that. That's We are putting our lives on the line on that. And, and when your line is 175, 175 years long, you don't, make, you don't make those calls lightly. So it's no. a really exciting time, but it's really recognizing who we are as a technology company now. Is, and coming well out of our... Pardon? What is Accelerator? So Accelerator is an open platform for, for to allow um, companies to work and engage with Siemens in a different way with all of our partners. So you will be able to pull from that, whatever whoever partners you need to work with, we would have this open platform so that you can solve problems using whatever technologies you want. And that if you're, you know, it's not all about Siemens end to end. It's about a blended approach and providing this platform that you can work with us in whatever way you want to with other, what other partners that you want. We, we can't do all of it, all of ourselves. Sure. It's, um, I mean, again, from, from the pure sort of software development perspective, what we've seen ourselves is companies like Stripe, the payments platform, you know, founded by Irish entrepreneurs, of course. Um, one of the reasons that they have been really successful, uh, apart from all the Silicon Valley money, but one of the reasons that they saw massive adoption um, is what they brought to the payments space was uh, extremely well-documented, extremely open APIs for integrating with their systems, as opposed to all of the other payment technologies. And I've been building these things for many years. uh, And you, you know all about building websites, having done that having run the Irish Internet Association for years and all that sort of stuff, but, you know, setting up credit card payments on websites for the last 20 years has been awful, horrible experience because a lot of it was quite closed. Yeah. The strike brought to the table and part of the reason there's a success and a decacorn now, I, I think 10 billion, um, is embracing openness. Um, and I think Seeing that with larger organizations like Siemens is a fresh breath of fresh air. Um, 
having in, having worked with larger organizations who shall remain nameless in previous lives, uh, you know, where you, you it's like, oh, well, you need to pay 20 grand to be in our partner program and then we'll give you the documentation. Um, you know, the world has changed. You can't do that anymore. The world has changed. You can't do that anymore. And people want... They want greater flexibility, and I think what we want what we want to recognise is that you may historically, you know, like I look at a manufacturing site, it's, it's a Siemens site, or it's a, and I could name all our competitors on their site. But we said, well, that's no barrier, you know, that's no barrier to working with us. It's no barrier to working with them. If you've got a site that's got somebody else's kit in it, that does not mean we cannot help you on your digitalization journey. It does not mean we cannot help you. Because actually, we want to be interoperable. That's we recognize that the value outcome is more important than what piece of hardware you have necessarily in there. And actually, what's really interesting now, and I see this in manufacturing a lot, is that hardware software. If you look at the really successful technology companies, there's always this, you know, the, the apples of this world. They've recognized that hardware and software are completely interlinked, um, and we have we've got this hardware backgrounds, but we have also got this great expertise in software and merging those two together and having the sensibility for that. So I always talk about, as I say, a digital twin. You know, Siemens have been leading the way on digital twin for years. But what we bring to the table is this phenomenal expertise and knowledge of the original. So if you're going to make a twin, you've got to really not know the DNA of the original to map it. And because we have such a grounding in the physical world, our capacity to build for the meta world, the metaverse, the, the digital version, the virtual version is unparalleled because we have this deep understanding of the physical. So I think we're uniquely positioned in that way. Now, I know you don't want this and I don't want this to be a, you know, broadcast uh, sponsored by Siemens. You know, it's not. But I think it's more about how the world recognizes problems. And actually, I think also you've raised a really important point. The critical role of the developer community in all of this, in the end, they have phenomenal power. They have phenomenal power to wield within their organizations and influence in terms of these are the tools that we want to work with. This is how we can best achieve an outcome. And, and I've, I saw that back in the early, early days, pre-Stripe, Relex Payments built their entire pay business on building out that relationship with the developer community because they intuitively tacit understanding of their power within organizations that these people genuinely know and understand their businesses really well and we should listen to them and i think that's even you know for siemens that's really important to um, that we're recognizing that is that we need all of us need to make our tools really useful and accessible to the people who are building in them and i keep talking about a human-centric metaverse and I, I chaired a panel on the future of technology at a big conference during the summer, and I interviewed our CIO of, um, uh, of Siemens globally, and uh, Peter Corte, and he talked. I was so thrilled. He was talking about design thinking. He was talking about human-centric design. I was going, thanks be to goodness. This is really, really important. We need to have tools that, that real humans are very happy to work with. Real developers are very happy to build on. That's really, really important. And you know, user experience in the consumer IT world is phenomenal. In the industrial world, it's always been a little bit more clunky. And we recognize that. And we want it, we we are now through Accelerator and and a huge amount of work has been done. I mean, we're still 
A lot of people don't know this, but one of the biggest we're one of the biggest software companies in the world, industrial software. We've been yes. building software for years, but people don't recognize the software company, and we are. It is hardcore in our DNA as well. Yes, we have built for the physical world, but we've been around, let's say, for a long time, and we've been building software for a long time too. So we understand that now we need to, we're working on this, this those same core principles, but actually opening it out and recognizing that we don't solve all problems by ourselves. And also that convergence of IT and OT and our role in that is really important. I'm, I'm pretty sure there's going to be quite a few developer relations roles opening up in Siemens pretty soon on the back of that. <laughs> I want to, uh, just to close out, uh, so that, that, it, it's all super interesting and, and sometimes in the mainstream developer world, which is all you know, e-commerce and websites and all that sort of stuff, you, you tend to forget that, oh yeah, software controls real world stuff and people die if you don't get it right. Um, oh yeah. The quality has to be quite high. Um, and I think particularly because of our experience in the physical world, that is that is really embedded in the mindset of all of our developers because yeah. we're, you know, whatever about social media or, you know, other platforms where the customer is, you're pretty much buyer beware and, you know, you use it at your own risk. So you use social media at your own risk, you know, you may, you know, but, and if, but you don't use physical world engineering at your own risk, you know, the, when you're building and you're an, en- an engineer for an airplane or a bridge, it's not optional that the bridge no. might fail, the plane might fall out of the sky. This is no. not like, get on the plane it should be okay but i hope your seat was comfortable this is not about your comfort and your user no. it, this is safety first and and our experience in that physical world and our safety first is oh my goodness the that is so heavy in the culture of siemens in everything we do down to how i sit in my chair yeah. Oh, it's a little bit of yeah, it's a little, a little bit of culture we could use on on this side. Um, I, I do remember talking to a client a couple of years ago, and uh, their developers were building a system that used Amazon, and they pressed the wrong button or deployed the wrong thing, and used far too many resources. Came in on Monday morning, twenty grand bill. Whoopsie. <laughs> um, now, I mean, at the same time, nobody died. Right. Well, this is the thing I'm just saying. But hey, nobody died. Well, you know, we work in we work in high risk environments where we take the possibility of someone dying. So, I mean, yeah. this is serious stuff. And so, everything we do is anchored in security, safety, and that is everything from you know all the cybersecurity elements that's in our DNA, but also the physical safety of people wandering around floors. You know, we're putting large-scale robotics into, you know, industrial automation and then the digitalization element on top of this. No one better get hurt. You know, this is serious, serious stuff. And even into everything that we do in terms of smart cities and things running on time and mobility and, as I say, our energy business, all of this keep people safe. All of our users have to be safe all of the time. That is there, there is no, there's no waiver. There's no gray areas at the edge of that. It is all of our users, all of our people, all of our customers, all of the time. It's a zero sum game. There is no, we have a whole program called zero harm. And that is everything to do with the environment, to people, to customers, every single piece of it. And so that has not necessarily been the pressure, not their fault, but the pressure is not the same, you know, when you're developing maybe no, no, software. Yeah. for an enterprise solution because no one's going to die if it goes wrong you might lose money but it's not life or death 
but at the same time, you know, we could do with <laughs> we could do with a little bit more emphasis on on quality and and all that sort of stuff. Uh, let's close out. I wanted to briefly talk about um, something that's kind of close to my heart because I remember it quite fondly from my early days in the internet industry in Ireland. Um, uh, and my, my old boss was part of, uh, Fred Crow was part of setting it all up, uh, the Irish Internet Association, which you led a couple of years back um, and did all sorts of wonderful stuff. Um, tell us, yeah, yeah t- t- tell us briefly about that and what you guys achieved there and everything, because it's it's kind of unsung, really, I think. I love to sing about it. There was, it was truly a joyful seven years of my life. I loved every moment of that. I mean, I was terrified for the first half of it. <laughs> and then I kind of found my flow. But yeah, I was CEO of the Irish Internet Association from uh, t- November 2009 until I, yeah, no, no, December. October 2016. Is that seven years? Yeah. yeah. And so, uh, yeah, that was a, glory, a lovely time. Um, we did cool stuff, I hope. But if I was to sum it up, I'm going to give credit actually to Dermot Casey. I don't know if you know Dermot. He's the yes. CEO of the IRDG now. But I remember at the start of lockdown, he sent me a text message. And it was the nicest thing, I think, more than any award or anything you could ever want. He sent me a text message and he said, Joni, in case anyone forgets to tell you, the work you did in the IA was important because there are businesses now through lockdown who are still functioning as retailers because of all the work you, you guys did on, you know, getting businesses to embrace e-commerce. And he said, and the people who are successfully working from home now is no, in no small part due to the fact that you guys spent years telling people to move to the cloud. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then he said, and the best bit was the grandparents who are now FaceTiming um their grandchildren are, you know, using smartphones or whatever to to stay in touch. And um, that was because of all the work you guys did in digitization. So I think for me, that was that was a defining moment. It happened four, three years after I left. I mean, I get a lump in my throat even talking about it. It was one of the nicest messages I've ever received. And when I look back, that was that was the best bit. And you know, like I, I made myself redundant from that role, and I think that's really important. And I, I think of why I did that or how that came about. But in my mind, our mission was to make Ireland a leading web-enabled economy. And when I looked then at Dermot's summation of how web-enabled we were, which was a real test during COVID, I said, well, yeah, because our job was done. And as a nonprofit with that kind of mission, your job is to make yourself redundant. That is success. And now maybe this is the rose-tinted hindsight that I'm looking at things through, but I think that was the measure of the success is the fact that I had to make myself redundant because the job was done. And- Oh, I, I think and, you're right. I mean, I, I remember the early days of the Irish internet, right? And trying to sell websites to people and, you know, <laughs> they look, look at you like, like you have two heads. It's like, why, why on earth- Why do you want me to do People can phone me. I don't why, why do I need a website? Um, yeah, I, you know, and it was it's, it's easy to assume now that, um, of course, you're going to be online. Of course, you're going to have social media engagement. And of course, you're going to have a digitalization strategy and all this type of stuff. But um, we were only very recently at this point, um, you know. Even I, mean, that- I mean, 
it seems like just a few years ago for me, but then I realized, you know, I'm 50 in May and <laughs> I was in my 30s then. Um, and I never worked in tech before, which was like ridiculous. I, I even got the job, it was still an astonishment to me. But careers, I think, are, are made of strange and unusual choices, courage by ourselves to take different paths, encouraged by employers, I always think, to hire the left field candidate. And I really encourage always find the left field candidate. It's amazing what the imposter uh, will bring to a scenario because oh, they look absolutely. at everything. <laughs> we find that a lot in the, the developer, de- developer relations community as well, that it's not it's not just people who are traditionally developers that end up doing it. Uh, you know, people come into it for marketing and all sorts of stuff. So it's uh, it's good to have a role model for somebody who completely blagged their way in, which is brilliant. Well, I, the term I've been introduced to by a colleague of mine in Siemens has been the term of flaneuring, just mean flaneurs. And it's to, to flaneur is to wander without apparent sense of direction, while secretly attuned to the streets that you walk in covert search of the adventure and the aesthetic. And I like to think of myself as a flaneur, and I embrace all of the other flaneurs out there who are wandering maybe without a linear sense of direction on their CV, but are always attuned to opportunity. And people ask me, you know, why did you go and work for Siemens? It seems like, you know, you, you and a large BIA. And I said, Good people solving exciting problems and embracing big challenges. And that's all you want in life, to be attuned to that, to to be attuned to the good people trying to do the good things. And that's why I chose Siemens. That's why I'm here. And uh, but I do think the and and, and actually and I love the fact that they were courageous enough to hire the person who's not an engineer, who's an artist in her spare time and, and the mindset that you bring to that. But I can't. I just want to be really careful to say something. I can't leave the bit, the reference to the IA without saying uh, there were two of us. It was myself and Elva Lee was the other half of the Irish Internet Association. And uh, and also there were these amazing volunteers through the working groups who made things like, you know, the NSAI Swift 10 a reality, who made eight ways to sell more stuff, our e-commerce program that we ran for years and years, and the sponsors we had for Digitize the Nation and our training partners and those. like. Uh, I was I was literally steering a ship, but there were so many people in the pulling and the rowing of all of that. And we were all in it together. And I took a lot of direction from them. I mean, that's the role and it's to listen and, you know, to be a good CEO, I think, is to understand what's going on with your customers and, yeah. and our customers were our constituents as well. So it was a massive team effort and a, a just a real, a, a real privilege to have done it. Wonderful stuff. Joan, thank you so much. Um, it's been super interesting. A, a really, really good perspective, especially how the the this openness, which we as developers value so much, is starting to seep into other things. Um, that's really, I mean, just to take forward in your, in your work in Siemens, the, the, the openness stuff is really the thing that gets the developers going because we want to get in there and play with stuff straight away. Um, and the more that that happens, the better, right? The more engagement you get. Um, we do a lot of collaboration with um, with universities and research centres, and we'd like to do more. Certainly in Ireland, I would like us to do a lot more here. Um, but I do think it is it's really important that we, as I say, when when you hear things like the next one thousand unicorns are going to come from climate tech, they're not. Mostly of those are not going to come from existing businesses. They're scaling businesses that we may not even heard of now or disruptive startups. So uh, I just think there's a massive opportunity and and because we're so rooted in keeping people safe 
And I think of sustainability and I think of the challenges the world is facing and the the global, you know, um, sustainability goals. I think we're well positioned to help people with that. It's going to be, uh, yeah, it's going to be super interesting to watch. Thank you so much. It has been wonderful. Thank you. Bye-bye. 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 You can find the transcript of this podcast and any links mentioned on our podcast page at voxgig.com slash podcast. Subscribe for weekly editions where we talk to the people who make the developer community work. For even more, read our newsletter. You can subscribe at voxgig.com slash newsletter or follow our Twitter at voxgig. Thanks for listening. Catch you next time.